0: They've got an opinion. They've Mm -hmm. read something about it. They're very interesting people. And gosh, we really do love well. We love really well. We can try to squeeze the life out of you by trying to control you with our love. That's real. (laughs) For sure. And welcome back to another episode of the Working Enneagram Podcast. My name is Kelsey Taylor, and I am your host. And today, our guest on the show is Enneagram 6, Kristen Message, which we were just talking about has Greek origins, but there's not a lot of Greek in your background. So I think that's super interesting. Not sure how that works, but super interesting. Kristen is a life coach, and I'm excited to get to share her wisdom not just as a life coach, but also as an Enneagram Six, and I think we have a lot to learn about our relationship to fear. And so, we're going to dive into that on today's episode. But before we jump into all of the details of that, I'd like to give our listeners a little peek into the window of your life, Kristen. So, tell me a little bit about who you are and what you like to do for fun. Hi, I'm Kristen. I am a life coach. I work exclusively with Sixes, and I'm a Six. and that fun question trips me up a little bit. I'm a six married to a one. So fun is not our strong suit. I like to coach for fun. <laughs> I like to listen to podcasts. I like to learn things. We do camp in our RV. That's a COVID thing that we actually was a positive for us. So we become more outdoorsy camper types for fun. That's a trip coming up and I love yeah, that. We actually cool. did a four month tour in our RV in the... Heart of COVID. Incorrect. Who knew? We're RV people now. That's what we do for fun. Truly. Sometimes it takes a pandemic for us to find out things that we like to do. Exactly. (laughs) I love that. So, out of curiosity, what do you typically listen to? I listen to stuff about the brain, probably gets me the most. Hidden Brain is a favorite. I listen to so many podcasts, though. I wouldn't honestly even know where to begin. Anything that's about Personal development, personal growth, parenting. I'm always swinging back around into parenting. You know, I have a cycle. The brain, personal development, parenting. Oh, I have a puppy. So dog training's in there currently. I love that. So all aspects of your life, podcast. I have found in my experience with sixes, a lot of sixes love true crimes podcasts. I know this is true and I do not understand it. (laughs) I mean, I understand it in terms of, We like to know all the things that are happening out in the world. I think there's an element of if I know, obviously, right, all the things that can happen, I can avoid them. I'm not one of them. Mm -mm. That's fascinating. Okay. It's good to know. Maybe if I had more time and less interest in other directions, I could see maybe getting into it, but also running a business, there's just a limit on how much I can consume. So that's probably like at the low priority. It might be what it is in a day that doesn't exist where you have a lot of extra time. maybe totally. You would, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there okay. is a little titillation, right? There's a little interest, but I'm just, I don't know when I would put it. Okay, tell me about how you got into life coaching. What was mm-hmm. it that caught your interest? And then what do you like most about being a life coach? I used to always say in my 20s, I used to say the only thing I'm good at is people. And if only I could find a way to monetize that, I would be okay. So I just struggled in like different jobs and different career paths. And it just never felt like home. And then my husband, I stayed home with my kids when they were little. And we had agreed that I would go back to work when they went to school. I knew about life coaching, but I was terrified because it was entrepreneurial, which is very scary for, I think a lot of humans, but six is specifically, it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I am going to do that. and. I have to make it work because there's nothing else I want to do. I want the flexibility of that life. I know I will be good at it. I will figure out how to do a business. So it was almost fear pushed me to make it successful because I was like, I don't know what else I'm going to do. This is the only thing I'm really going to be good at. And I knew I would be a great coach and I've learned over the years to actually become that. So that part was actually a lot easier for me. The building the business part has been terrifying, but I love it because it's worth it. Absolutely. I love yeah. hearing you say, I'm good at people. And I know yeah. that I would be a good life coach. So often we see in six is the self doubt of almost confidence. And then you're like, yes, I would be good. And then that pendulum swings the other way into well. And I actually, that is there for okay. sure. I can, I can tell you more about that if you so I'm very confident in the moment. Mm-hmm. And then the self doubt will potentially really beat me up on the back end. And so that's a lot of the work that I've had to do and a lot of the work that I do with sixes is to step forward and then expect that doubt on the back end and know how to manage it because believing that doubt will take you out. Man, I love that. Okay, so let's stay on that for a second. Where would you say that self-doubt typically shows up? And then how are you coaching other people? I love one, you're like, hey, expect it. If you expect it, it's not gonna come as a surprise. You're gonna know that it's there and that's helpful. But when you say I teach people to management, what does that look like? So the first part you asked is where does it show up? Honestly, where doesn't it show up? It is (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things that, you know, the questions that we discussed prior is you asked what's the hardest thing about being a six and, and I have such tenderness for it. I have such tenderness for it because I know it in my bones and it really is. The doubt will hit you and. Every aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. And that is hard. That is hard. And every time we step into or closer to our fear, it's going to be there. So it's everywhere, right? It's in everything I do. There's always this voice of what about this? But what if this? But what if that? So learning to manage that one, expect it. And two, really learning to not believe everything your brain offers. I mean, this is. Skill number one, your brain is going to give you, and you know this as a one, this would be the same thing with the inner critic, right? It's going to be there. Those thoughts are going to show up. Can you learn first to just get distance from them and see them as thoughts, right? To really understand that this is your brain offering ideas because it's trying to keep you safe, because it's trying to direct your path, but it's doing it in a really maladjusted way. Yes. So learning how to work with those thoughts is key critical. That. That's so yeah. good. Learning that you are not your thoughts from right. them is amazing. Yes, that's wonderful. Yes. Okay, yeah. so how did you get involved in the Enneagram? And how did mm. you come to the realization that you're an Enneagram six? I took a test. It must be like five years ago now. Okay. It hadn't been in the online community. Like I didn't have any preconceived ideas. Okay. About what a six was or any of that. So I took a test, tested it as a six, And I got on the Enneagram Institute and was like, oh my gosh, it was, there's this paragraph on there. Go to the Enneagram Institute, describe sixes. There's this paragraph that describes the opposites that sixes are. And it was that moment, right? When it's like, too close, too close. (laughs) It was strong and weak, sweet and sour. It was just so my insides. Mm -hmm. So I knew I was a six right away. I never questioned it. Yeah. And then the more I learned about the Enneagram, I really kind of felt less in terms of how do I do this work? Sixes need to trust themselves, find Mm -hmm. inner support, connect with their inner guidance. It's like, okay, how in the world do I do that? So I had that going on. Then I went to my life coach school training. And I was like, oh, this is the how. And so I combined what I had learned for myself brought these tools into my life and started actually being able to access mm-hmm. the self-trust, the core of inner support, access my guidance, you know, what do I do with all this fear and all these thoughts? And then I started to learn all about the stereotypes about sixes on the back end. And that was really interesting. That is interesting. What mm-hmm. are some of the stereotypes that you have come across? Just out of curiosity, I have a few that I can throw out there. But from your perspective, I'd love to hear what are the stereotypes where you're like, okay, sure, but we're more than that. Or come on. Yeah, it's the, you know, we're the scaredy cats, the constant worst case scenario planning in terms of physical things. My car is always stocked with all the things and it's a very self president biased stereotype, right? The checking all the exits and all those things. I don't do any of those things. And a lot of sixes do. So not to like discount that as sixy behavior, but a lot of sixes don't. A lot of the worst case scenario planning is in relationship. We're a very relational type. And I don't think it's really missed in my teachings. I don't know why, because it's such a huge part of who we are as an attachment type. And as where am I looking for my safety and security? So the stereotypes are all very self president and phobic. We're all just hiding in the corners. And sometimes, sure, I'm doing that. But that is not at all a representation of what sixes are doing in the world. Yeah, it is helpful for people to hear that there are 6 billion people in the world. And you cannot perfectly put them in nine Enneagram type boxes. These descriptions are general under the why, the motivators behind why we do what we do. But if the shoe doesn't fit, don't buy it. So I think okay. I see some issues with people engaging in the Enneagram thinking, okay, all sixes are afraid all of the time. All sixes right. are prepared and have toilet paper in their basements. Yes. All of the time. Yes. 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 Totally. Because you lines. know who stocks our household is the self-president husband. <laughs> Way to go. I love that. I know. Yes. And then all ones are extremely judgmental or rude. We tend to put these labels in stereotypes, as you had said. And in some ways that helps us engage with it. We're still processing, but we can't leave the learning there at just the stereotypes. There's so much more. There's nuance that we need to dig into, I think. Totally. And also the devil's advocate piece of sixes is something that I find is Mm -hmm. in all the sixes. So we are the ones that are going to come in. And if the room's too hot and high, we're going to bring that down. Yes. If the room's too low, we'll be like, hey, let's lighten up. Let's raise energy a little bit. So I really think Devil's Advocate is one of the most accurate descriptions that covers a much wider swath of sixes is really how we will show up energetically. It's really That's interesting that. to see. That's so mm-hmm. good. so good. So you kind of shared a little bit about the challenges of the six. You would say one of the biggest challenges is that self-doubt kind of follows you. What are some of the best things about being a six? What do you love about being a six? Six Sixes truly are my favorite. There's so much depth and so much thoughtfulness, which obviously can be an Achilles heel. But when we are doing our productive thinking, when we are calmer and this, thoughtfulness really comes on board. We are the most thoughtful people you will meet. We're hilarious. absolutely. You know, we have that total self-deprecating sense of humor thing. We see the world so much. And there's just so much to learn from your sixes. I mean, you can kind of be curious about anything and your sixes thought about it. They've got an opinion. They've Mm -hmm. read something about it. They're very interesting people. Yeah. And Gosh, we really do love well. We love really well. We can try to squeeze the life out of you by trying to control you with our love. Like that's real. <laughs> sure. That's real. We're a controlling bunch because of the fear. Also, love so deeply, especially as we turn toward ourselves and really learn how to love ourselves well. It just bubbles out. There's so much care inside sixes. And I just love it. I love that. Sixes do love well. I'm gonna tell you a story. I have a friend, a mentor of mine, who also happens to be a friend, which isn't always the case. I think sometimes Mm -hmm. mentors are more of that teachable spirit. But I've got very fortunate that my mentor is both that teachable spirit and a friend. And Mm -hmm. she's an Enneagram six. Mm -hmm. And I love it because she thinks differently than I do. And I need that. And so one of our conversations was around, I was telling her that anytime I experience fear I misconstrued it as conviction sometimes. So I would experience inner anxiety and I would think, oh gosh, I have to fix whatever's going on. And so it's conviction of like, oh, there's a problem. I've got to go fix it. And she was like, you know, you don't necessarily have to fix that. You may need to just sit in that emotion. And it was the most foreign concept to me. I was like, excuse me, (laughs) what, you want me to sit in this? No, if I do something about it, it goes away. And so it was the most wonderful conversation because up until that point, I had never considered actually sitting in my anxiety. And I think sixes know how to do that better than most. So I would love to hear your perspective on that. I will tell you that I think sixes can be aware of that idea more than most. Okay, Sixes actually doing that I'm gonna say no, not so much. That is part of our work to learn how to do that. So we understand things extremely well, quickly to actually practice that ourselves a whole different ballgame. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I can tell someone all day that they need to, I know this is not obviously about your mentor. She's great sitting in her own. But <laughs> in terms of understanding versus practice, mm-hmm. it's extremely hard for sixes to be with their emotion which is why there's so much anxiety because this is kind of how I teach this. So yes, anxiety is a cover emotion. It's like a blanket that keeps us actually up in our head. It's very buzzy. It's very vague. And it keeps us from actually contacting our fear, contacting our shame, contacting our guilt, right? All those sadness, those mm-hmm. other things that are really in our hearts. So anxiety is there as a cover. It says, just a stamp here stay up here, think about this, look at these stories, do this, do this, do this, try to think about that person, think about this. Don't go in mm-hmm. and sit with those emotions because they're terrifying. Mm-hmm. So fear and anxiety are not the same. And it's a really important distinction. I love that. Can you give us a little bit more of what that distinction looks like? What is fear? Yeah. What is anxiety? Why are they not the same? So anxiety is an emotion that really doesn't do the way thing. things. Most emotions, they show up. If you let it be there, it'll be a wave. Mm -hmm. Fear, guilt, shame, all these things show up, they peak and they will subside. And we can learn anger even, like all of them. We can learn to be really present to them, let them move through our bodies without reaction. Mm -hmm. And then we can get back into choosing how we want to show up in our lives. Anxiety is different. It will kind of just hang out and be like a blanket that you just kind of have on. But again, I think it really serves a purpose. I really think it's trying to keep us from contacting those emotions that our brains read as genuine threats. Our brains process emotion in the same place they process physical pain. So we are genuinely, legitimately, all humans afraid of our emotion hmm. for good reason, right? It reads to our system as a threat, right? So even though our conscious mind, can be like, oh, that makes sense. When the emotion comes online, all of us are using our defenses to avoid whatever that looks like in terms of our any Absolutely number, right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, that's so good. I heard someone say, and I can't remember who it was, but it resonated with me and it stuck with me. And it said, basically, your enneagram type doesn't hold the monopoly on your core weakness. Sometimes called the passion, sometimes called the sin. And for the sixes, that's fear. That's yes. the passion or the core sin or the core weakness. And I loved that idea of like, oh, sixes don't hold a monopoly on that. And there's two sides to that. The one side is sixes, you don't have an excuse. You're not the only one that experiences fear. So acknowledge fear and other types. And then on the other side of that, it is types you need to recognize that you will also have some form of relationship with fear. It's not just sixes that experience that. And so I think you have some really good insights on how to have a healthy relationship with fear. So I would love for you to just share how do we have that healthy relationship with fear when it does show up? One of the things that I teach my clients to do is to ask the question directly, what am I afraid of? And we don't ask that question, so we aren't aware. And I think this applies to all numbers. We're acting how we're acting, Slow down and ask the question directly. What am I afraid of? Your brain will tell you it's gonna be something about you, it's gonna be something about someone else, it's gonna be something about the world that's going to relate to your core passion. So for example, for you it might be, oh, I'm afraid. I mean, what would it be? People would think I'm not good enough. I yeah, did something wrong. Absolutely. Right. And then you would make that mean like you would believe that. Mm -hmm. And then you would be very hard on yourself. Like you're trying to avoid this right? <laughs> at all costs. It's going to be something like that for everyone. For sixes, because we have fear of fear, and that's going to show up just in different areas of our life. Again, it's going to be more of the life disaster planning. It's going to be very relational. It's going to be just in these different areas. It's going to be health, right? A lot of sixes have a lot of health anxiety. I'm one of those. So depending on what our area is, we're just going to avoid contacting the fear. And when we ask directly, it almost instantly connects us to our heart center, and we're able to actually process it and move it through. just admitting it, this is what I'm afraid of can often be enough. That's awesome to start to lessen the fear. I kind of lost the question. No, that was perfect.: you did just, a great okay. job. Yeah, how do yeah. we sit with those emotions and how do we work through them when they come up? And you said the first thing that we want to do is ask the question, "What is it that I'm afraid of?" So How are everybody, right? Because this is it. We all have a core fear. I mean, that's what the Enneagram teaches us. Absolutely. Everyone has a core fear. So let's be courageous enough to ask ourselves the question, what am I afraid of? And it's a very vulnerable question Mm -hmm. because it's admitting I'm afraid. Right. I think as sixes, we might dislike that more than other numbers because we just don't want to be afraid. And we're so afraid all at the same time. Yes. But it's a very courageous question. I cannot agree more. When you're doing coaching and you start with that and you say, okay, let's ask this question. What is it that you're afraid of? How often do people get it accurate on the first time? So let's say, I'll give you an example. I had a friend get married this past weekend and met a lot of friends of her friends. And so connected with a lot of people, and I sent a text to follow up on something, and I sent it to the wrong friend, I Mm -hmm. intended to send it to, let me just give you names, I intended to send it to Bree, and I sent it to Celeste. And so I automatically felt I'm the worst person in the world. And so if I were to ask in that situation, what am I afraid of? I'm afraid that she's not going to respect me. I'm afraid that she's not going to like me. I'm afraid that she thinks that I mean, so many different things. I'm afraid that she thinks, oh, okay, Kelsey clearly doesn't remember who I am. She clearly doesn't care to connect or take the time to see if she's texting the right person. That's my spiral. And so- That's your spiral, yeah. Yes. So then in this case, it would be one layer deeper. Be like, why does it matter if she thinks those things? Good question. Yes, <laughs> I love that. See, and that I think- You are want to coach yourself why and what am I making this mean? These are your golden. I love questions. it. This is so yeah. it's so practical. So I would say it matters. So I think there's an element of pride there for me. If I want people yeah. to know that I love them, and mm-hmm. if they know that I love them, I think they will absolutely feel that I'm worthy of love. And so, yes. there's a, a strong two wing. I was gonna say do you have a strong two wing. Yeah, a big two wing where I'm like, I want you to like me, and I made a mistake, and so it hit on both that one side of like, man, how could I have done that? And yeah. I want you to still like me. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. absolutely. so then we could ask, what are those emotions, right? This gets back to the mentorship that mm-hmm. you got. So, what are those emotions that come up? Let's pretend they did think that. What is it? Um, shame. Oh, my goodness. Y'all are getting some good live coaching right now from Kristen. This is wonderful. Those emotions, shame. Yeah. yeah. Definitely, it's not okay to make mistakes. And yeah. here's the thing, she was totally cool about it. But inside, my inner critic is like, no, she's just being nice. And she yeah. actually thinks that you're garbage. <laughs> yeah. so, so then not to take you two down the coaching rabbit hole, since this is your podcast, but what if you just hung out with it? Oh, gross. <laughs> Chris, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, what if? What if? What Maybe if? could process and just come to that conclusion of, you know what, you don't have to be like, bye, everybody. And that's okay. And I do have that faith element. So coming through at the end of the day, Christ has covered so much. And that little mistake is covered. But also you are deeply loved. And that's enough. Because here's the real kicker. Can you love yourself? Mm. Right? Christ loves you, even when you make a mistake and shame comes up. Absolutely. The question at the end of the day for all of us is when I see myself clearly, can I develop a loving relationship with that version that I see that makes me go "It eh. yes. yes. I know. That's yeah. good. That's really good. Yeah. All right, guys. Y'all got some really There's good your session right there. <laughs> Send me a Yeah, bill, that was right. Really, thanks for <laughs> going on that journey. That's really useful for people. And that's courageous to get down to that. I think so it's we helpful. just shake it off. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you for using your gift. You're very good with people. I actually want to tie back to what you said at the very beginning when you said I knew I was good with people. Enneagram sixes really are in my experience. My mom's a six. My mentor, like I mentioned, she's a six. And I have some really good six friends that I just adore. And they're all wonderful with people. They're the best gift givers, the best. And I I, don't have that. (laughs) Good to know. But they are. Just relationally gifted, and so for you, where does that show up? How is Kristen relationally gifted and good with people? What does that mean? So I very recently, very recently got into a trifix, and I have two in my tri type. So I'm just so fascinated by people. I love them. I'm so interested, and I'm interested in their heart. What really makes them tick? Why are they the way they are? What is it I want to know everything not in coaching sessions in life I just genuinely am so interested and curious about people I find them to be the most fascinating thing I love that and I have a belief that I can and this can go real twisty and gross but I really believe I can help (laughs) well yes through the spirit, oh. absolutely you can. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. It, it can get twisty. Absolutely. And we I can mean, help it's with that. really becoming a coach has made me such a better friend and mm-hmm. partner because I help people who actually pay me and want that. Yeah. As opposed to just help giving everyone my help, which may not be as desired. <laughs> <laughs> I love that honesty so much. you know, it used to be I'm one of those people that people just come to and feel comfortable with and say all the things. Yeah, But I just genuinely love people. I love that. So what advice would you give to someone who maybe is not so attuned to relationships? I see this curious nature. And what about somebody who is, I know that I need help in being more relational. Since you have those giftings, what is one thing somebody could start with to get, better in that area of relationships. Two things come to mind. One is, why aren't you? Is it because of your own anxieties around people? Is it because Mm -hmm. of being very worried about how you'll be perceived? What's that about? Are people Mm -hmm. just not interesting to you? You're interested in other things? Maybe just accept that. It's okay. Not everyone needs to be a people person, right? Yes, yes. But then if you genuinely want better relationships, it's curiosity. It's a magic bullet. Mm -hmm. Be genuinely curious about people and not, and this is something I do with my clients a lot, not the like, I'm just curious why you dot, dot, dot. Not that kind of curiosity. (laughs) Yeah. It's (laughs) not like judgment called curiosity. And this, I will tell you this, my husband and I have the most fun now because I'm like, this thing happened and my brain did this with it. My sixth brain. What is your one brain like? What does it do with the same scenario? Mm -hmm. And we laugh and laugh because he's like, your brain does what? (laughs) (laughs) It does that. It does. And then (laughs) his we are like, what? Same scenario. But it's been so, so intimacy building because Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I want to know. What does your brain do with this? Instead of me having my filter on how things should be right an element of lightheartedness that comes with curiosity, where it's just, yes. it's an element of wonder. Truly, yes. it's a little childlike where it's, like, oh, I wonder, I would love to know instead of, yeah, like you had mentioned the <laughs> curiosity or judgment cloaked in curiosity. And I think that's a good way. Of, there's a difference. It's a good way of putting Oh, it, it's a big difference. Between, yeah. Hey, I would like to know. And I just want to know curious why you didn't da, 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 or why, yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean, yes. and we can really feel it in our body. I mean, I always say, because sixes are always looking for the formula, <laughs> right? What's the formula to whatever? Absolutely. And the answer is always, your body will tell you the truth. So mm-hmm. if we're talking about curiosity, you know, if you're in judgment or in curiosity, your body will tell you the truth about that. Because to your point, curiosity is like wonder. It's also an admission. This is hard for sixes and ones, right? That we don't know. Yes. It's literally setting down because I'm pretty sure I know about all the things, right? And being open to what's actually in front of me here. Mm-hmm. It's relationship magic, <laughs> kids, friends, all of it. I love that. That's so good. Yeah. That's really awesome. what makes you tick. I'm like, I'm gonna go talk to some people. Like, Let's just chat because I'm so... <laughs> yes. I think that's probably number one best trait in a life coach or even mm-hmm. answer is that curiosity that willingness to say, I don't know all of your story, but you're coming to me and we're going to figure it out together or we're going in on something. So I'm not going to tell you so much the right things to do. I'm going to ask the really good questions and you're going to come to that conclusion yourself. Yes. Which I think is so important for sixes is to look for any kind of guide because we're always looking for answers. Look for guides that actually want you to find you instead of wanting to tell you about you. Because this is what sixes need. We think we just want the external answers. And I think a lot of people want this, right? Tell me what to think. Tell me the right thing to do. All of those ways to stay safe in the world. But it really is from within. And it's scary. It's unknown. But no one else knows for you. Is just the truth of it. Nobody else can write your story. And it is vulnerable, especially for sixes, I think. And you can speak into this, but... I imagine it's hard to be like, okay, I'm going to take ownership of my choices, my decisions, and I'm not going to let somebody else define that for me. There's a level of safety and security when you come under that authority figure or when you come into that relationship that you feel connected with. And so it's scary and it's vulnerable to think, you know what? I have to live with my choices and my consequences and I am responsible. And I can't, at the end of the day, I can't say, well, This failed because you told me. And then I kind of am safe from blame, being blamed. Is this one issue too? Because you're absolutely describing the truth for sixes. But my (laughs) husband also talks in these terms. I think we desire to avoid blame from the inner critic. And we can't. That's Mm. the sad thing. Like we're going to get blamed for the most. It's coming at you. It is. It's almost like that self-doubt is going to come. The blame from the inner critic is going to come. And so you just have to learn to expect it. And then... Sit with it, and again, just like you said, take it out and say, "This is a thought that my brain is offering me, and it is not necessarily the truth." So, I think that could apply probably to all enneagram types and different facets. But yeah, it is. I don't want to be blamed. It's not necessarily about blame, as it is about mistakes. I don't want to make mistakes, and if we collectively make a decision, then I'm like, okay, we can at least portion off the mistakes, and it's not as bad. Maybe that way for the one. That makes sense. Yeah, sixes are terrified of making mistakes. It's exactly right what you're saying. It's for different reasons. There's more of like, I don't want to get in trouble mm-hmm. inside the six, which again, ew, what adult wants to admit that? But it's <laughs> <I'm> really honest. <laughs> it is, I want to get in trouble. So this does come back. You brought up the authority thing. This mm-hmm. is such a thing with sixes. Interestingly, with sixes, I heard Ian Khan say this once, and it just... Because sixes in authority, they're going to be at their feet or at their throat. And there is no in-between. <laughs> so if I'm with a trusted authority, I'm good. I'll do what you tell me, whatever. As soon as there's a whiff that you cannot be trusted, or you are, you know, somehow we're misaligned, especially if there's any eight in the tri-type at all, it's going to be on. So a six With authority they do not trust is either going to go at that authority or they're going to avoid and gather allies. But it can get pretty nasty. It can get pretty nasty with sixes and authority. Okay. So, since my podcast is about relationships within the work context, I would love to get some insight into let's say most of the authority figures for sixes are going to be their direct report, their boss, whatever that is. When we go to work as a six, how do we? maybe make some space to meet in the middle between the feet and the throat? Is that a possible thing for six to do? And if so, how do they do that? It's possible if they're aware. It's very possible if they're aware. If a six is doing their work to own their own emotional responses, then we're going to be saying, okay, there's something going on in me. What am I afraid of? Right? Bring up that question. What am I afraid of here? Mm -hmm. I'm afraid that I'm going to get in trouble. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. I'm afraid of all these things. So once mm-hmm. we can really acknowledge that fear, be able to process it a little bit and then make a choice in how they're going to interact with the authority. What the leaders can do, because here's the other that thing. That was my but, next question. You okay. read my mind. Amazing. So sixes really want the steps and where sixes and their leaders can get really in be problematic is when the leader wants the six to kind of figure it out, try things. Mm -hmm. Especially if the six has their own team below them. Mm -hmm. I can talk about this all day. Okay, I'm going to try to like focus it in. Focus it in, Kristen. As direct as you can be. Mm -hmm. First of all, be trustworthy. Okay, if you're the leader of a six, be trustworthy, be transparent. That's just a given that's going to work really well for a six and tell them what you want as Mm -hmm. directly as possible. Give them that. Perfect. This is what I want from you. This yes. is what I want. And then if you want them to be more creative, prove that that's safe. Do you know what I mean? If something goes amiss, prove that that's okay. That's so good. And here's what I'm hearing. And again, this is through the filter of a one. Here's what my brain told me immediately. If I'm leading a team and I have a six, you said be trustworthy. I love that. Well, my reliable, brain, heard, right? Like, yes, consistent. yes, prove yourself, be trustworthy, be consistent. What my brain heard was never make a mistake. Isn't that so funny? And I'm like, no, 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 that's not at all what she said. Because if you make a mistake and you own it and yes. you explain, here's the situation, here's how I'm going to change it, that's still trustworthy. That gave me the truth chills. You just said <laughs> that so well. <laughs> oh, it's even more trustworthy, I believe. If someone can be vulnerable with me and say, I don't love how I handled this. To me, I'm like, okay, now you've got my attention. Yes. I love that. As opposed to just the veneer of I'm trustworthy. Like, Well, I don't know that. Right. <laughs> you have to say it, are you? <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. You can yes. trust me like, mm, I don't know. Okay. And six is really being onto their own suspicion. Right. And again, this is another area. where are not believing everything your brain offers you is. So important. Like what you just did, so brilliant. What my brain said is this, because you obviously are doing your own work. So right. right. yes, my brain offers me a story. I can yes. question that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's it. So for the sixes, just because your brain offers you a story that someone's not trustworthy, let's question that. Let's be curious about that. Because that's not necessarily true. Because the the ability to slip on a dime is a six weakness. That's incredible. So insightful. This is so good. Thank you, Kristen. I want to end with this. The world is just a mess. We've talked about it. I'm not going to go into why it's a mess. We've over talked about it. And I'm just going to say that it is. And we're still having some, I think, as a society, some big time anxieties. And so I love that we've got some insight from you today that the first thing we want to do is actually ask the question, what is it that I'm afraid of? And then once we have that, if somebody is wanting to process through, did I come to the right fear? Is that actually what I'm afraid of? And if Mm -hmm. they want to process through, where do I go to manage that fear? How can somebody connect with you and get in touch with you? Or how can somebody sign up for coaching services? What does that look like? I have a website, kristalmessages.com. I run a free Facebook group for sixes called Life Coaching for Enneagram Sixes. Very easy to find. It's chock full of, there's a whole guide section. There's just so much in that group. I also have a course, an online course. It's great. It's self-study, but you also get weekly coaching. That's a really, really good option. And then I also run small groups and still take a small number of one-on-one clients as well. I love that. I love that so much. So a lot of different options. If you like to be self-paced, you've got the course. If you like to do a little research, you have that Facebook group. A lot of research just yes. go in there and I love it. as a one am i allowed to join just to learn about sixes or Absolutely. is that exclusive okay cool no the coaching communities are exclusive but okay. the facebook group is not and also instagram kristen messaging coaching i'm on there too Perfect. quite a bit lately that's kind of my latest trying to figure out the gram <laughs> i love it it's fun <laughs> just feeling exposed all the time it's great that's awesome <laughs> Well, thank you, Kristen. This was so good. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight. It was fun. I learned so many things. Every time that I talk to somebody about the Enneagram, I feel like I walk away with just a nugget. And I feel like you gave me like six. So I feel extra blessed by our time together. And I just want to say thank you so much for that. Thank you. This was really a good time. Thanks so much for listening to this conversation with Enneagram 6, Kristen Messicky. In our conversation, Kristen mentioned that she was absolutely sure that she was an Enneagram 6 from taking an online assessment and then reading about the 6. But that's not always the case with Enneagram 6s. Sometimes Enneagram 6s mistype, meaning they think they may be a 2 when they're actually a 6. Usually, phobic 6s can mistype as 2s and counterphobic 6s can mistype as 8s. The best way to discern the difference between each of the types is to understand the core motivations. If you think you might be a six or that you may have mistyped, then I have the perfect guide for you. Click the link labeled Mistyped Guide Type Six in the show notes to get instant access to a resource that will walk you through the difference between the Type Six and all other Enneagram types. Finally, if you enjoyed this conversation, would you do me a favor and share with someone who you think could benefit from hearing it too? Maybe you know a type six or someone in a relationship with the type six who could appreciate the insights from Kristen. Finally, please consider leaving a review explaining what was most helpful to learn about the type six. Thanks for your support, and I'll see you next time.